Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 7, 15 through 23. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is from Exodus 27. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the word of God. Good morning. Let's pray together again. We sang before about what a good father you are. And some fathers are not good at speaking with their kids. They're silent most of the time. And we thank you, Lord, that you are not like that. You are a God who speaks to your children and you speak through your word and we thank you. And we pray that you'd speak to us today and that you would give us attentive hearts and ears to hear. In Christ's name, amen. So I want you to imagine that there's a group of people who are engaged in a conversation. Um, They are within earshot, so you can hear them, but imagine that they can't see you. Maybe you're in another room or you're around a corner or something like that. Um, You're not really paying attention to what they're saying. You're focused on something else, but then suddenly you hear someone in that group say your name. Raise your hand if you would find yourself instinctively tuning in on what they're saying. I mean, I know I, I know I would. I don't think I could resist. That's my name they just mentioned. They're talking about me. What are they going to say about me? I just, I, I think there's something just in us, all of us. Would you agree that we just naturally care about how people use our names? Well, the Bible teaches us that it's the same way with God. We, this fall, we're studying the Ten Commandments. We're, today, we're at commandment number three. And the third commandment is all about how we use God's name. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And what I'd like to do with this is I'd like to tell you two ways that we can break this commandment and then the only way that we can keep this commandment. So two ways to break it, and then the only way to keep it. So um, how might a person break commandment number three? Well, one way is this. We can break the third commandment with our lips, with the way that we speak. To, To speak the name of God or to speak a title for God in in a way that is flippant or thoughtless or irreverent, The the Bible would say that this is actually a very serious sin against the majesty and the holiness of the Lord. And and we can understand that. Why? Because I think at some level we all just know that a person's person's name is more than just um, 
an arbitrary arrangement of, of sound waves, right? A person's name is more than just a random collection of, of letters that you can print on, on a paper. No, a, per, a person's name is a word that, that stands for all of who that person is, their being, their essence, their value, their character. Like, let's say there's a, there's a classroom of second graders, they're at that recess, they're out on the playground, and suddenly a group of kids, they start to make fun of one child's name. That child will not just shrug their shoulders and say, ah, who cares, doesn't bother me, they're not mocking me, they're just mocking my name. Listen, no child would ever say that. That child, she will get angry, she'll start crying, she'll be upset, she, she will never say, they're merely mocking my name. She'll say, they are mocking me. It, children just instinctively know this. You mock my name, you mock me. And it's the same way with God. The name of God stands for all of who God is. God's being, God's essence, God's value, God's character. All of this, all of this is conjured up, brought to mind the moment we invoke God's name. This is why in Scripture, throughout the Bible, you'll notice that very often the writers of Scripture will use the name of God as a synonym for God himself. So we read of, of people who call on God's name, or people who trust in God's name. We read that people run to God's name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. We, we read that people rejoice in God's name. They, they praise God's name. They fear God's name. We read of people who love God's name. Now, listen, when, when the Bible says that this is what people do with God's name, what it's actually saying is this, this is how people relate to God himself. The way we treat God's name is synonymous with how we how we treat God. This, this is why uh, to just sort of blurt out the sacred name of the Holy One, to express surprise, to express shock or anger. You, you know, oh my blank, how could you think that, right? Or, or to, uh, to use the name of Jesus the Bible tells us the name of Jesus is the name above all names. To use the name of Jesus as a curse. Have you heard people do that? They're looking at the electric bill. Oh, it's so high. And they just say the name of Jesus. Or, or to reduce the sacred name of the creator to three frivolous letters in a text that you're sending to a friend. OMG. You, you understand that to treat God's name, this, that that in ways like that reveals that at some deep level we may not be aware of, there resides in us this, this kind of inner disdain for God. It's, it, it's, it's, it's using his name. It's the same when people will use the name of God, either explicitly or implicitly, to, to somehow um, advance their own political agenda. You see this type of thing on Facebook. This is God's candidate. This is God's party. This is God's political agenda. You almost, you almost expect to hear a voice from heaven after something like that where, where God says, My, I am God and I do not approve of this message, right? <laughs> like, don't, don't use my name, God says. You want to use my name to build my kingdom, that's okay, but don't use my name for your, your partisan agenda. It's, 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 a, it's a misuse of his name. 
King David wrote in, in the Psalms that people who use God's name in this kind of thoughtless, irreverent way, he says whether they know it or not, they're actually behaving as if they were God's enemies. Psalm 139, verse 20, he, said, he says this, God, they speak of you with evil intentions. Your enemies, your adversaries misuse your name. So the old Heidelberg Catechism says that we, quote, we must, never, we must neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, but rather we should use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so we may properly confess God, pray to God, and glorify God in all our words and works. So would you agree with me that the way that we speak Names for God, titles for God, it's really very significant. So, so that's one way, one way that we can break the third commandment is with our lips. Second way that you can break the third commandment is with our lives. If, you, if you'll look at this passage that we've just heard read for us from Matthew chapter 7, this is a, a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in, in, this, in this passage, D Jesus describes some people who, as far as we know, they, they don't dishonor the name of God with their lips. It's, they seem only to speak the name of Christ with reverence, with, with, with respect. We read here that uh, they prophesy in the name of Jesus. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They perform many mighty works in the name of Jesus. You see, they're, you, they seem to be using the name of the Lord with great thoughtfulness and, and uh, with reverence. Jesus also says, you'll notice here that when they approach Jesus, they say his name twice. They say, Lord, Lord. Now, Bible scholars will tell us that that's actually very, very significant in, in Scripture um, to say a person's name twice. That was a way of, of expressing heartfelt, passionate love for that person. You've seen this a number of places in, in the Bible. So, for example, when, uh, when God appeared on Mount Moriah and called out to Abraham not to slay his son, God said to him, Abraham, Abraham. And when God revealed himself, the Lord revealed himself to Moses in, in the burning bush, he said, Moses, Moses. And when King David wept over the death of his beloved son, he said, Absalom, Absalom. And when Jesus spoke tenderly to Simon Peter at the Last Supper, he, he said, Simon, Simon. So um, to say a person's name twice, that was, a, that was sort of a, a Hebraic expression of intimacy and passion. So would you agree with me that it's significant? Jesus says that when these people approach him, they say, Lord, Lord. So these are people whose problem is not their lips. Right? They, 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 they honor Christ with what they say. They preach in his name. They minister in his name. They, they express passion for him in, in, in his name. So apparently they are not breaking the third commandment with their lips. But I think Christ would say they are breaking the third commandment with their, with their lives. For all their reverent speech about Jesus, Jesus says to them in verse 23, I never knew you. Your whole life you've been talking about me, but it's like we've never met. I've never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Verse 21, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who uses my name correctly, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And I think, I, as I study this this week, I really think this is the main point of the third commandment. It does have to do with what we say. But the main point of the third commandment is how we live. You'll notice here in, in Exodus 20, verse 7, it does not say... You shall not speak the name of the, your Lord, the Lord your God in vain. It doesn't say that. It says you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And that, and that Hebrew word that's translated take, it's, it's a word that meant to bear or to carry with you. You see, the very same word a few chapters later in Exodus, Exodus 28, uh, Moses is being given instructions about the clothing for the high priest, and he's told to affix uh, upon the, the jacket of the high priest. Twelve places where there's one name for each of, the, each of the tribes of Israel. And he said the reason for this, God says, is so that the priest can take, same word, can take the names with him into the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. The, the, the priest was taking those names with him. Everywhere he went, the names were written on him. And in the same way, listen, if you, if you profess to be a Christian, the name of Christ is written all over your life. Just like that priest, we take his name with us wherever we go. And so this, this, this commandment is saying, don't take the name of the Lord your God with you in an empty, vain kind of way. You see, the Bible says we if, we, if we profess to be Christians, we are the people who bear the name of God. Everywhere, isn't this something to think of it? Everywhere that we go in, in life, it, whether we think about it or not, our lives are proclaiming the character of the God whose name we profess to love. And so, um, man, what a thought. When the way we live somehow contradicts the character of the God whose name we've been praising here this morning, do, do, do you realize what we're doing? We're, we're, we're taking his name with us in vain. We're... we're, we're dishonoring the reputation of God in the world. In fact, um, I did a little study this week. You can do this very easily, any kind of online concordance. If you do a search for these two words through the Bible, profane and name, all right, like BibleGateway.com, profane and name. Here's what you find. Every, every place um, where people are said to have profaned the name of God, virtually all of them, I can only find maybe one exception, all of them, they're not talking about the way we speak. They're talking about people profaning the name of the Lord by the way they live. This is why it's, it's been said that the third commandment, the third commandment is really a commandment that prohibits hypocrisy. It's, it, tells us, it tells us that not, not to go through life, even if we're saying all the right things about God, not to go through life in ways that contradict what we say with the way we, we live. Some of you know that the parable that Jesus taught in Matthew 25. Have you heard that parable of the sheep and the goats? And, and in that parable, Jesus says that they, he describes people who, he says they don't, they don't feed the Lord's people who are hungry. They don't feed the hungry. They don't help the poor. They, they are not welcoming of the immigrants. They, 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 they don't care for the sick. And so in the parable, Jesus says, because of these sins of omission, these people are told that they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you read, if you read that parable closely, here's what you notice. All of these people, when they approach Jesus, 
they call him Lord. Their lips are praising him. And their self-centered lives are denying him. And, and, and so the third commandment would pay, these are people who take the Lord's name, but in vain. So that's the commandment. And you'll notice that at the end of the commandment, there's quite a stern warning, isn't there? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For it says, the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who takes his name in vain. So having heard that, um, let me ask you guys a question. Do you see why we need a Savior? Do you see why we need a Savior? Listen, um, throughout this series on the Ten Commandments, we'll, you'll hear this again and again. If, if you are trying to use the Ten Commandments as sort of a ladder to, to climb your way into heaven by your good works, let me tell you, you will not get past the third rung. Neither will I. Not past the third commandment. I mean, who, who of us has never spoken the name of God in a thoughtless kind of irreverent way. Who, who of us could say that our life always meshes perfectly with the, the character of the God whose name we praise? Now, I don't think any one of us could. So listen, um, this, this verse in, in Exodus 20 says that anyone who's broken the third commandment is not guiltless. What does that mean? It means everyone who has broken the third commandment needs a savior. We need one. And doesn't that just want, make you say... Thank God for Jesus. You know, that, that, that name is precious for those who've trusted him. Did you ever notice in, in, the, in the Gospels when the birth of God's son, the incarnation of, of the Christ was being announced to his parents, the, the angels were very specific with both Joseph and Mary what they were to name this kid. You know, I wonder if it bothered them. I mean, parents usually have the right to choose whatever they name they want for their child. But God said, no, I, you, you will name him, you will name him Jesus. You know what the name Jesus means? It means the Lord saves. Not the Lord condemns. It means the Lord saves people who've broken his, his commandments. In fact, isn't that what the angel said to Joseph? He said, you shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So praise God for Jesus. Uh, Isaiah 53 says this about him. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid on him, and by his stripes we are what? We're healed. We're healed. I'll tell you somebody who experienced that. Someone who basically the whole first part of his life was just constantly breaking the third commandment. He, uh, he, his, all of his younger years, he was either cursing or mocking the name of Jesus. His name was Paul, Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. Um, he just constantly blasphemed the name of Jesus. He hated the name of Jesus. When Paul finally came to his senses and repented of that sin and came to Jesus, guess, guess how he was received? He was received with arms open wide to forgive him. And so near the end of his life in 1 Timothy 1, this is what Paul wrote about himself. He said, even though I was a blasphemer, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. He said, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ 
Jesus. And I think Paul would say that's true for any blasphemer, anyone who either with their lips or with their lives have somehow desecrated the name of the Holy Lord. Paul would say mercy is available to them in the name of Jesus. So these are two ways we can break the commandment uh, with our lips or with our lives. Now, what's the only way that we could ever keep this commandment? Um, let, let, me just, let me just get to the point. You cannot, listen, you cannot fully honor the third commandment merely by trying hard to keep it. It just, it's not going to work for people like us, guys. You cannot fully honor the third commandment simply by trying hard. Let, let me refer you again to this passage in Matthew 7, um, the, the first part of that, that this section of the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, verse 15 through 20. Jesus, in those verses, he describes a group of people who, I'm telling you, they break the third commandment big time. I mean, they really, really break it. And these, these are the preachers. These are the prophets. He says, he, he talks about some preachers. And, and you know, preachers, it's really dangerous to be a preacher because your job is to go through your week saying the name, saying the name, saying the name again and again. And he says, be careful about preachers, prophets who say the name all the time and their lives don't mesh with it. So he describes a group of people like that. He calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. What does that mean? It means they're not, they are not on the inside who they appear to be on the outside. They're hypocrites, right? They, they, he says these are people who break the third commandment. So here's a question if you look at how Jesus talks about them. These false prophets. What is their, what is it that these people need? What is it that they, is, is their problem? Is there a problem that they're not trying hard enough? I don't think so. Is there a problem that they don't read the Bible enough? Probably not. Or is there a problem that they don't pray hard enough? I, I doubt that that's it. Jesus says their problem, their real problem, is who they are on the inside. The problem is something deep inside them. He says, starting at the middle of verse 16, he says, Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And, and it's, it's simple to grasp the concept he's saying. He's saying, well, listen, whatever kind of tree you have, that's the kind of fruit you're going to get, right? So let, let's, say, let's say you have an apple tree at your house. But you really want oranges. You can, go, you can go stare at that tree as much as you can wait forever. That tree will never, ever give you oranges. You can go to the supermarket. You can buy a bag of oranges, go home, staple them on the tree. They're just going to rot and fall off. It will, never, it will never give you the fruit you desire. The only way to get oranges is somehow, I guess, dig up that apple tree and plant an orange tree. You, you, the, the tree itself has to change. Right? And so this is, this is what Christ is saying. For any of us to become a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, who's, listen, who consistently, increasingly, both with their lips and with their lives, honors, truly honors the name of God, something has to change inside you. You want to hear some really good news? That's what Jesus came to do for us, isn't it? 
to, to change us on the inside. Listen, the gospel, according to the gospel, the gospel is so much better than we ever, ever think about it. According to the gospel, Jesus did not only come to take away the guilt of our sin. Jesus also came to break the power of sin, right? To control our lives, to, to, to make us into the kind of people we do not want to be. He came to, to break the power of that. What's that old hymn, Rock of Ages? It says, let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath, and make me pure. So Jesus says here in, in, in uh, Matthew 7, he says, a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. It just can't happen. A few chapters later, Matthew 12, you know what he says? He says this, make the tree good and the fruit will be good. And that's what he came to do, to take away the guilt of our sin and to change us inside. You say, well, how does he change us inside? Well, he, you know, um, he does it through the Holy Spirit, Right? This will, if, if you don't know Christ, this, I, I don't blame you. This sounds crazy to you. It's, it might sound so mysterious. The Bible just describes this as a fact that when you trust in Christ, God himself, through the Spirit, comes to live inside you. And have you experienced this? As he lives inside you, he just begins to just rearrange things inside. It's kind of like this spiritual chiropractor. Just you're all out of line, right? Your life doesn't line up with what you, you pronounce, and he just... Little by little, he straightens you up and he changes. Have you, some of you experienced this. The name of Jesus used to mean nothing to you. Nothing. You know it was one of those religious terms. Made you, maybe made you feel guilty. Now, don't you find yourself sometimes coming to church and we, we sing to the name of Jesus and you just feel like everything inside you is welling up with joy. Let me ask you, how did his name come to mean so much to you? Well, Pastor Ellis preached this great sermon one day. No. The Holy Spirit has been changing you. Do you know he's doing that? He's been changing you on the inside. Or, or it, may have, it may have been that you, um, it used to not bother you if your life didn't line up with what you profess. And you find yourself increasingly concerned about that. You know, that increasing concern is evidence that the Holy Spirit is working inside you. Just saying, huh? you profess this name, I'm going to make you like the name you profess. He does that in you. So here's a challenge, here's a challenge for anyone here. Just figure out where you, where you stand in this challenge. If, um, if you've never really taken a good hard look at the guilt of your sin, the fact that perhaps your whole life you've been blaspheming in the holy name of God, you've never taken a look at that, you've never come to Jesus and said, I, I need a Savior. I need you to save me. Maybe today would be the day you'd realize that and just say, yes, 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 Jesus, save me. The other challenge is maybe you've known Christ as Savior for a long time and uh, maybe in certain ways you've been kind of close to the work of the Holy Spirit in you, kind of resisting the chiropractor, all right? Can I just challenge you to stop fighting him and, and say, Holy Spirit, change me. Make Make me on the inside like the name I sing about on the outside. Do that within me. And let me tell you, the third commandment shows us that we need a Savior. It shows us that we need the Spirit. If you're asking for either of those today, your Father will be delighted to give that to you. Amen? Let's pray together.
We thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you that for the name of our Savior. We need him. We need the spirit that he gives so desperately. Father, would you, in the name of Jesus, pour out your grace upon this gathering of people that our lives might bring glory to your name. Amen.